Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. Everyone wants to see what Djokovic is doing at home and, you know, everyone wants a little insight into what's making him the best tennis player in the world. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The News Round on Off the Ball. This is News Talk. Welcome along to Thursday night's Off the Ball full live commentary coming up at 8 p.m. from Tallah Stadium. It is the final friendly for Ireland ahead of the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Vera Powell's side going up against France. We're going to have full live commentary with Pearl Slattery and Nathan Murphy. Like to say, in studio with me at the moment, we've got Mick McCarthy. How are you, Mick? How are you, Will? Richie McCormick is with us as well. How are you, Richie? Renault Will. Yeah, very nice. I, knew, I was waiting for a joke to come in, and there we go. I actually missed it. Three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, listeners who have been, uh, <laughs> been keeping an eye on the Oireachtas committees over the last few days will have got Richie's joke straight away. If only I wasn't busy. Indeed. Nathan Murphy is with us from Tallah Stadium as well. Nathan, how are you? Good evening, everybody. Um, give us the team news, Nathan. Who's getting a chance to impress, uh, probably the last chance before they fly out to impress the management team tonight? Yeah, it's an interesting starting 11 that Vera Powell selected for this game against France. It's the tried and trusted, and I would expect the starting goalkeeper defence and possibly even midfield. And maybe unsurprisingly, Vera Powell is still searching for something with her front three. So it is Courtney Brosnan who at this stage we know is firmly established uh, between the sticks who will start in goal a 108th cap for Niamh Fahey a 105th cap for Louise Quinn and Megan Connolly drops into the back three as well Connolly will play every game in Australia she might mix between midfield and centre back but tonight she's going to be playing in that back three Heather Payne will be on the right hand side Katie McCabe in captaining the team on the left hand side and then it is Risha Littlejohn who's selected alongside Denise O'Sullivan in the middle of midfield it feels as though it's a battle between Lily Ag and Rusha Littlejohn for that final midfield spot for that opening game against Australia in a couple of weeks' time. Sense around here is that Littlejohn needs some more minutes. She only got the 45 a fortnight ago against Zambia. She's done a lot of training by herself over the last couple of weeks and she needs a bit more game time than Lily Ag, but maybe an opportunity to force herself into the starting 11. And then it's very much an experimental from three. Sinead Farrelly, 33 years of age, such a vastly experienced player player in American football comes in and wins just her second cap alongside Kira Carusa and Marissa Shiva so two of the American born players coming in and starting it's only a fourth cap for Shiva as well Amber Barrett among the substitutes and say you do feel that maybe those are the three spots that there is a real fight on and that Vera Powell is probably undecided on as to who she's going to go with in a couple of weeks time and Nathan it was a bit of a mixed bag performance against Zambia last time out What's expected of tonight? Well, it was a mixed bag, I think, because it was a mixed bag of a team. There was a lot of players who didn't end up making that final squad. There was five established players. There was six players fighting for their lives. The nerves were really apparent that evening against a very physically strong Zambian side. Ireland looked like a team that had never played together before. And I think it's fair to say uh, it was an Irish team who will never play together again as well. Uh, Tonight, I think with that back three, with that midfield, Ireland will be going for a solid base. They'll be going for an awful lot, I think, of what we have seen from the Republic of Ireland uh, throughout. Vera Powell's time in charge keep it as tight as possible and maybe Amber Barrett's big toe comes up trumps again uh, late in the second half when no doubt she will make an appearance off the bench uh, Ireland in these tough games and Vera Powell sets them up so that they get tested against the very very best and remember France are a team who got to the European Championship semi-finals last year who've been to the World Cup quarter-finals uh, the last two World Cups as well they are a team in the upper echelon of world football they are going to bring a serious serious test but that's what Vera Powell 
Howe has said she wanted. So I think for Ireland, this is a backs against the wall job. No, they're not going to have a huge amount of possession and just try and defend very well and possibly nick a goal from a set piece. It's not pretty, but we know it's been very, very effective for this group. Which, Nathan, doesn't sound like bad preparation for both the Australian-Canada games coming up later this month then. No, that's exactly why Vera Powell has picked this game. It's why after that heartbreaking defeat against Ukraine a couple of years ago when Ireland missed out on the European Championship, instead of taking some easy fixtures to try and build back up confidence, and they went off, they played Australia twice, they had a really difficult run of games, they suffered some defeats, and I think Vera Powell, I think she would be accepting, well, accepting is, accepting she should never be of a defeat tonight as long as she gets a performance and a system in place that she feels can deliver against Australia and Canada. They could have easily tonight looked around Europe, tried to get a minnow in, big crowd here in Tallah, score a few goals, everyone's buzzing, and then there's an almighty reality check in front of 80,000 people in Sydney in a couple of weeks' time. This will prepare them very well uh, in terms of tactics, in terms of setup for what that Australian team are going to bring. You could argue France are far stronger than both Australia and Canada that they're going to play. France, it looks like, are more or less at full strength uh, in a traditional French fashion. They've had lots of issues off the pitch. Uh, their new manager in place, Irv Reynard, you'll remember from the World Cup, uh, he has the guy with the very white shirts and the long blonde flowing pristine hair. Pristine shirts, Nathan. Pristine uh, shirts, yeah. So he's going to be in charge. Uh, you can probably hear the wind. Mm. Uh, how is it the middle of July? It is the 6th <laughs> of July. It is Everyone here is wrapped up in their woolly jackets. The wind is blowing an absolute gale across Tallow, which is always the way at this stadium. It's been lashing down rain for the past hour or so. It is pretty miserable. I'm not sure if that's going to affect the attendance. There's obviously been a lot of talk over the last 48 hours if you have a ticket if you're not coming give it to somebody else because the game has been sold out and was sold out pretty much instantly but as we saw against Zambia what's happening is people are taking tickets maybe season ticket holders and the men's team taking tickets but then not actually using them so hopefully tonight uh, there will be a packed house to send them on their way to Australia and look there's no doubt there is a shadow cast over this game with everything that has gone on over the last 48 hours for Vera Powell we'll focus on the football when the game gets underway but I've no doubt when the FAI bring in the four or five players to talk to the media after the game and Vera Powell again that that is going to be front and centre on all the questions that they are going to have to face Nathan any sense that uh, Tony's daughter Estelle Cascarino was nervous about playing against her <laughs> ancestral homeland uh, well would it be fair to say uh, it's as much her ancestral homeland as it is Tony's ancestral homeland <laughs> no unfair it'd be very unfair uh, she hasn't commented on uh, such things but it's going to be really interesting to see what this French team uh, bring this evening they're going to the World Cup thinking that they can uh, certainly get to the latter stages of the competition they play Australia in a warm up game next week so maybe we'll get a good sense of where Australia and the Republic of Ireland even from how they perform against France but yeah this is the sort of test that Vera Powell seems to relish as I say there's such a buzz around the actual football side and getting to go to a World Cup Finals in the excitement of Sydney and 80,000 people it's been tough going and it's a tough watch quite often watching the Republic of Ireland in those games at home against Finland against Sweden but it was a means to an end they got the results they needed to get the qualification I know from doing the commentary alongside Emma Byrne throughout those games there was a real sense of frustration with how Katie McCabe was used her inability to get Denise O'Sullivan on the ball enough that was a frustration at times as well over in Hampden Park against Scotland there was that one moment for Denise O'Sullivan but that was really it it was a real struggle to get her involved and if Ireland are to achieve anything and achieve anything that's not just scraping through in those games against Australia and Canada they need to find a way of getting McCabe and O'Sullivan more involved in the game McCabe again is going to be playing in that left wing back position I know a lot of people would prefer to see her 
playing a little bit higher up the pitch Megan Campbell's absence from the squad through injury I think has probably ruled that out completely that will be McCabe's position on the pitch and that alters a lot the way Ireland are playing because the two of them if they can get close together or Sullivan McCabe that's where they can unlock defences create chances for that front three but maybe with this front three which Nate Farrelly we say you know such an experienced player such a brilliant talent in the American League for so many years and winning just her second cap tonight maybe actually she brings another level to this group and actually Ireland can start to create a few more chances because in front of goal it has definitely been a struggle Alright Nathan we'll chat to you again a little bit closer to 8 o'clock and Nathan's going to be joined by Pearl Slattery who will be chatting to around about half past 7 ahead of the game I wonder Mick when it comes to mentality on this and Nathan spoke about the kind of mix and match nature of the selection for Zambia because players were trying to impress yeah, yeah. to get into the 23 I wonder if it's slightly different now that they know that they're in the confirmed squad going to the World Cup compared to that game Oh it's completely different isn't it and it's it's far far more of a first team um, that you see out like I you know I'm still I know she's played there before but I'm still intrigued by seeing Megan Connolly in the in, in the back three there like in some ways it's such a positive like she's a playmaker like mm-hmm. you know and to see her playing as like a kind of a ball playing centre back I think is a really positive move I actually think her being on the same side as Katie McCabe if you have to play McCabe on the left then that makes for an interesting you know that makes for like some interesting combinations for Ireland on that side so yeah, I do. I, I, it's completely different, like, isn't it? Like, it's, it's. Um, this is Zambia was, like, let's say, face it, a much different uh, level of opposition as well. Yeah. And yeah, we're in kind of like full on warm up mode now. Whereas it might have been a couple of players playing for places. It was a sideshow almost the last game. This is it now, you know. Yeah, it's a different dynamic, Richie. It is reasonably brave to take on one of the top teams in Europe ahead of going to the World Cup as well, because there would have had to been that temptation to maybe pick a team who. You can put a few goals on get everyone celebrating a talent and go off on a positive note but they've taken a real challenge on for this yeah it's no use to you though ultimately if you, if you do do that and I guess to a degree that's what they were hoping maybe that the Zambia game would be would be the easier of these two games but as Nathan alluded to there they need an actual test to almost reinvigorate them wake themselves back up before heading over to like they're playing at a World Cup the, the, the achievement of getting there shouldn't cancel out the fact that there are three very difficult games to play at the very least while they are there and two of them in particular kind of stand out so they need to test themselves and to know that they're actually you know uh, in, on a war footing uh, heading over to a major tournament because like it isn't going to be easy over there and there's no point like the, the contrast has been made that a lot of the friendies that have been lined up for the men's side have been of a far easier nature and, and for that reason to build up wins and to build up confidence whereas this is kind of building up decent battle scars and there's a lot to be said for, for doing that kind of thing and taking on like home like two back-to-back friendlies with the USA because they're no easy things and they've acquitted themselves well mm. if they can acquit themselves well tonight then there's by all means they can go and do themselves umpteen favours in uh, in Australia like you want to see Ireland develop as one of those teams like you know in some ways the men's are doing to, to with less success I suppose at the moment but like those two performances against America the performance against Sweden mm, away in the qualifiers if they play well tonight you want like the group suits a team who plays well against the big teams and maybe struggles against minnows you know that's an Irish way let's face it you know it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world that we have such a tough group in a know? way make the good run of form goes back to playing against Australia a couple of yeah yeah remember that match since, yeah. it's been really that, really good it's, it's interesting you say that because that was such a watershed um, game do you remember there was this sense of like these games are all going to be on TV now there's this kind of like rabid atmosphere at the games and it felt like that that game against Australia
Australia was almost the the arrival of the women's team in the mainstream mm-hmm. in some ways. And yeah, it is kind of uh, it would be class if you know that is bookended by beating them in front of eighty two thousand people in Sydney. But yeah, let's worry about tonight first, maybe. No pressure <laughs> on this day two weeks. Uh, give us a reminder of the team there, Richie. Add it again. Yeah, the team in, and as uh, Nathan mentioned, they're full strength uh, tonight. Courtney Brosnan starts in goal. A back three of Louise Quinney, Fahey and Megan Connolly, Heather Payne and Katie McCabe. The captain provide the width, Rusha Littlejohn and Denise O'Sullivan are in midfield alongside Sinead Farrelly. Marissa Shaver uh, provides support for Kyra Cruz up front. Kickoff is at eight. Good day for Louise Quinn. She signed a new two-year deal with Birmingham City today. The Blues captain will remain with the Championship Club until the summer of 2025. Her extension follows that of Ireland teammate Lucy Quinn who will also remain a Birmingham player for the next two seasons Yep, and uh, Louise Quinn will hear a clip uh, she sat down with Brian O'Driscoll you can catch it on our YouTube at the moment in the In Conversation with Brian O'Driscoll series uh, just in time for the World Cup The betting tax back up on the agenda again today Rich it is indeed, yeah. The Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, has reportedly rejected a recommendation to alter the distribution of the horse and greyhound funds. The FAI had called for a fairer dis- distribution of the tax on betting, of which 80% goes to Horse Racing Ireland and the remaining 20 to Greyhound Racing Ireland. In January, the Public Accounts Committee recommended a review of that distribution, but according to the 42, Minister McConnell says any review would be a government policy matter. All right. It becomes a government policy matter, Mick. Should it be reconsidered, the distribution? Yeah. Simple as that reason. <laughs> yeah, it's obvious. I don't know how there's but any like, salient argument against that. No, like, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, I'm sorry, you can make all the arguments you like and they can be absolutely argued as to how much money um, horse racing brings in in terms of revenue into the country and you know how far those tentacles spread. They're all perfectly fine arguments. You could listen to both sides of them, but it doesn't make any sense that other sports are excluded from this betting tax when so much betting goes on other sports. Like, I mean, I, I actually think the argument is a simple as that. I don't know if we need to go into any more detail, do we? Mm. Ah, look, I get, go on, Rich. Yeah. No, it's just when you look at what uh, McConnell has said there, or reportedly anyway, and the statements that Leo Varadkar has made in the Dáil, they clearly have their own reasons uh, for keeping the status quo um, that they're not you know, fully disclosing to us. It will be interesting to dig a little bit deeper and find out from them why this is so entrenched and why it's not even on a, on a, super, you know, a superficial level being considered because to anybody else it makes the world of sense that it will be dealt out proportionate to the money that they bring in yeah look I'm no legal expert on this but I guarantee that legal experts are looking at this because you can't just say that's the law tough you know like these things are if if other sports have been excluded from this thing if the government want to if they want to back up the funding that you know for other reasons political or economical reasons that they want to back up horse racing and continue the amount of funding that goes to it then there's other ways to do it but you can't just exclude other sports from betting tax when you can bet on other sports also it's just, like, could it's they not just maintain the funding that's there but do it through the Department of Agriculture no no that's what I'm saying if they wanted to do all that let them off like you know what I mean That that's, that's a government decision I think legally I, I would just question I, again I don't know but I would question what kind of uh, you know solid ground they're on in terms of just continuing on this policy when it 
has been challenged by football in particular. Yeah, especially when it's kind of ruled out that it won't be considered. Um, Rory Higgins, there was a lot of talk he could be attracted across the channel, but he's going to stay at Derry City, it seems. He is indeed, but he has admitted that he did hold talks with Barnsley, but only after Derry were approached. The English League One club have instead opted to hire Neil Collins instead, former Sheffield United defender and former manager of the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the US. Higgins says his focus is on tomorrow night's game with Sligo and speaking to Highland Radio, Higgins suggested the interest was mainly one way. To be honest, uh, completely out of the blue, the club receives an approach um, and I was granted permission. I had a couple of conversations and, and that's where it's left. And uh, I, uh, I certainly didn't put my name in the hat, that's for sure. I was approached and, and the club were approached and that's where, that's, that's where that is. And, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, the future of this club. I've been totally committed and will remain totally committed and, and I love it here Philip and Sean and the club have been absolutely brilliant to me from day one and um, I feel we, we've re- returned the favour in, in some ways but there's definitely more to come from us and and, and, and brighter days ahead mm. One win in the last five Richie with the Suwadim mm. touching distance six points behind Shamrock Rovers at the moment transfer window has just opened it would have been a really bad time for Derry to lose their manager yeah, he, he would have been terrible. Um, they've been completely hamstrung by injuries and a lot of people would uh, point the blame for that down to the surface at the Brandywell because it has cost, like Colin Whelan studs got caught in the, in the turf there and he, he's done his uh, knee ligament and is out for the rest of the season. Like they've, they've kind of made a rod for their own back up there. Have missed a lot of key players throughout the season but there is still that sense that they have underperformed. Uh, not just this term but certainly last year when it looked like they could challenge uh, Shamrock Rovers right till the bitter end for the for the league title and kind of almost meekly um, handed over the reins to Rovers last season. Should be doing better with given the budget, given the players that they have at their disposal. Injuries are one thing, but they need to start winning matches again on a regular basis. Uh, when we were coming in, uh, BBC were mentioning we we're going to try and get as much play in this evening as possible uh, yeah. with the light at Wimbledon. So, how much play is likely to happen this evening? Uh, well, they're after pushing uh, Daniel Medvedev and Andrew Manorino out on court number two, uh, which could take a while. So that suggests that they're pretty open that at least the bulk of that match might get done of course they have the roof and the lights on the show courts to lean on but the big story of the day Liam Brody pulling off one of the shocks of the fortnight thus far the world number 142 beat the fourth seed Casper Ruud in five sets indeed taking the decider six love and Brody will play Denis Shapovalov in round three Stan Wawrinka set up a third round date with Novak Djokovic by beating Tomas Martin Echeverry in four sets today the three time Grand Slam champion he's now 38 isn't giving himself much hope against the defending champion there's zero opportunity to, to, to win Wimbledon for me I think uh, uh, I'm happy to have won today again I think it was a great match I'm, I'm playing better each match and uh, it's uh, it's as I say I'm, I'm I think it's an honor to play Novak here. Uh, I was missing that on my career to play him in the Grand Slam in Wimbledon. That's the last I never played him, and it's a, it's a, it's going to be a difficult challenge. Uh, hopefully, I can make a competitive match. But if we look recent result, I don't really stand a chance. Mick, that is probably the most refreshingly honest interview I've ever heard. The two of us started, uh, yeah, yeah, really laughing there at uh, the zero chance to win Wimbledon. But uh, yeah, look, you know, tell it like it is, I suppose. Or maybe, maybe he's just playing a few, few mind games. Perhaps like Djokovic, you haven't been beaten here since 2016. I ain't gonna be the guy that's going to do it. Tennis needs some new stars, though, doesn't it? Like, I mean, that news of the number four seed losing to the world number 160, whatever, would have been huge 
15, 20 years ago, barely a drop in the ocean today, you know, because does anybody have any relationship with world number four, whose name I've forgotten? Casper Rude. Casper Rude, Mick. Uh, does, anybody have, does anybody have any, like, emotional tie to the fourth best tennis player in the world? I still get mixed up between Holger Runa and Casper uh, Ruud. Um, I'm not going to lie because they're constantly like four and six in the world, interchangeable. And but like if you're looking like Carlos Alcaraz is yeah, it's, it's guy. one guy. Yeah, and we'll see because he has to beat. He'll have to. He has to beat uh, Djokovic here, like and take over from him a little bit. You know, yeah. soon as you still have the 36 year old dominating stuff at the moment. Like. Yeah, and also like Alcaraz won Queens, but wouldn't exactly be renowned for grass. So therefore, he's seen as the best competitor. But if I think if Djokovic gets ahead of steam up at this tournament, uh, Richie's almost impossible to stop, isn't he? Yeah, I think he he already has it. Yesterday was one of those matches that looked like it might be troublesome against Jordan Thompson, and uh, it didn't blow him out of the water per se, but at no point looked like he was in any way troubled um, things are going to get a little bit trickier from here on in maybe not with Favrinka but uh, fourth, fifth, fourth and uh, fourth zero chance with Favrinka zero chance with Favrinka like it's what like, apparently Favrinka has a really good record against Djokovic at other slams like I think he's beaten it with the three others so I'm not suggesting that there is a hope here uh, because Stan's form and peak of his game is, is long since gone unlike Djokovic but uh, yeah I think for Djokovic the, the further tests are down the line for sure yeah some of the other uh, big seeds progress today Rich yeah big wins today for Andrew Rublev and Alexander Zverev well after his five set win over Dominic Team last night Stefanos Tsitsipas will be last on centre to play Andy Murray that will probably go until 4am uh, they're about to follow Elena Rabakina and Elise Corne the defending champion Rabakina has just completed a 6-2 7-6 win over the experienced French player 10th seed Barbara Krejcikova succumbed to injury in the second set of her second round match meaning 16 year old Mira Andreeva advances to round three. 50, Caroline Garcia needed a third set tiebreaker to beat the former US Open finalist, Leila Fernandez. There also wins for 13th seed Beatrice Haddad Maya, Sophia Kennan and Alina Svitolina today. Mm, uh, if we do a slight tangent, Mick, in the week coming, I'm actually ready at this point to respond to the emails from about three weeks ago asking about the Tour de France documentary on Netflix. Oh, you've watched I've got, I've got four episodes into it now. It's, it's really, yeah. really good. I'm, I'm hearing nothing but good things. Still haven't made the time. I know. I'm but starting to run out of excuses now. I just haven't done it. But now's, yeah. now's the right time to yeah, do it. So I picked, give it the weekend. I re-picked up Seven Deadly Sins, the David Walsh book about Lance Armstrong as well, because the tour had just started. So I started rereading that in recent days. And I've watched kind of one episode a night the last few nights of the Tour de France doc. Okay. It has that kind of uh, definite energy of some of the earlier sports documentaries. So I know we were saying there was a certain amount of tiredness about it. Yeah. But Richie, you were saying the cricket one you watched last week was class as well. Oh, stop. Yeah, no, that's a different beast entirely. That's a Channel 9 thing where they sat down Ian Botham and uh, Ian Chappell uh, and discussed why they hated each other for the last 45 years. Oh, yeah. And they still do. And they still do. Calling each other names to their faces is... Uh, like Chappell calls Botham a coward. <laughs> like They're literally sitting where you two are to each other. And Botham's about to get up and lamp them. And they're both like Botham's doing revitavads about getting a circulation pumping and he's about to jump over and, and deck this you know venerable old Australian player um, the longest feud by the way is what it's called so if anybody has a, a VPN or any ways around these things and that's how you get hold of it is it real like are they, are oh, yeah. they genuinely yeah. right no but yeah. in the moment yeah. as they sit to that that's not put on no <laughs> no wow. no there's, there's a very real air to it like even the, the way that 
Bodum scrambles for words. You can tell that none of this, apart from sitting opposite each other, was planned. But certainly the the barbs were um, were very real, very genuine, and very very much in the moment. It's it's brilliant stuff. God, There's I clips of that. a knock around on social media, and he kind of that's the thing you miss. You miss genuine hatred between well, people like that lingering on through the years because well, it it tends to dissipate. But not here. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because in the GA world, I kind of like it in GA, where it's like you know they could hate each other for years they could end up being best mates because they have this shared history but there's some sports that like I, you know Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are basically on the circuit together at the moment as like best mates you know and they were like you know arch nemesis nemesi <laughs> back in the 80s nemesis, like, you think, know, yeah. and they're all like you know there's um, yeah there's a part of it just wants to keep the keep the hatred real if it was ever real in the first place it, you know, they, they keep it going I think that, that sounds like great show uh, the tour itself what's happened Rich? Yeah, plenty of action today, actually. The yellow jersey changing hands for the second day running following a grueling sixth stage of the Tour, which included an ascent up the Col de Tourmalade. Stage itself was won by Tadej Pogacar, who crested the Camp Basque 24 seconds before Jonas Vingegaard. But it's Vingegaard who takes the leader's yellow jersey. He has a 25-second lead over Pogacar uh, heading into tomorrow. Uh, Ash's third test at the moment. England are saying they love to play at Headingley. It's not been a good start for the series leaders Australia today. No, uh, not a decent finish either for England today has to be said England finished the day uh, for the first day of the third Ashes test on 68 for 3 earlier in the day Mitchell Marsh top scored with 118 as Australia were bowled out uh, for 263 but it was his fifth wicket stand that really added a bit of respectability to the scoreline today Okay, I, have you got a chance to watch much of it? Yeah, I watched, I, watched before, I watched a bit of the morning session, more in the background than anything else, mm. and kind of like left for work when Smith was bowled out. Was the, that was the four top batsmen for Australia gone for almost nothing. And yeah, was surprised when I got in then to see that they'd uh, they'd rallied back a little bit and got like, you know, somewhere close to 300. And looked like 13 wickets on day one of a test match is pretty exciting, you know? Let, let, play, play every game in cloudy leads. Yeah, Maybe. it's not brilliant. It's, it's not brilliant for go. people to have tickets for Monday. No. <laughs> 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 Look at this again, crap. We don't hear by Saturday afternoon. Uh, a few transfers happened today as well, Richie. Yeah, loads actually here at home. Uh, we should mention Dundalk have signed the Scottish defender Darren Brownlee, the 29-year-old who spent the last two and a half years at Partick Thistle. Brownlee won't be involved in tomorrow's game away to Bohemians, but Bowes themselves are hoping to have Polish right back Bartolomeu Kukulovic uh, involved tomorrow. He signed on an 18-month deal. Now means that three of Bo's back four will be Polish. And meanwhile, Shelburne have signed two players on loan from their parent club, Hull City. 20-year-old midfielder Harry Wood will spend the rest of the season on loan, while goalkeeper Harry Fisks is a permanent deal. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, we should mention as well, signing Granite Xhaka from Arsenal today. The Swiss midfielder has cost €25 million euro and his move will pave the way for Declan Rice to complete his move from West Ham. Reese Nelson has signed a new long-term deal at Arsenal, while William Saliba has also reportedly put pen to paper on fresh terms at the Emirates. Yeah, not to go all Joe Malloy in it, but I think Shelburne's former goalkeeper has now left Love Island at this stage as well, so it was a fairly short stint for him. It'll be like a new signing for them. Oh, is he former? Is he not coming former, back? No, he left, so. Oh, I thought he just he left. Leave yeah, absence. now they've got a new keeper from Hull, so I assume there's no oh, easy way back in. Sorry, Richie. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't zone out during LOI transfer news there. And on a final note, Richie, um, you've got Granit Xhaka leaving Arsenal as well. Yeah, I mentioned Granit Xhaka there against Cesar as we draw 
don't know, hear me. Uh, I should mention has joined Atletico Madrid from Chelsea. The 33 year old has signed a one year deal at the Wanda Metropolitano, and it seems like he'll be part of a back four that also includes uh, Chal- uh, Chalier Siontiu, who left Leicester mm-hmm. yesterday, uh, signing up for Atleti. But see, not Matt Doherty. I was going to say, see if Aspilicueta gets more than the, I think it was 18 minutes that Matt Doherty got. Ah, oh, well, he's on yeah. the move as well. Richie, thanks a million. Nice and gents. Cheers, Mick. Cheers, that's. Off the Ball Daily A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball Everyone wants to see what Djokovic is doing at home and you know everyone wants a little insight into what's making him the best tennis player in the world Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now